I already knew that I was in the presence of people that were doing the shit that I love. And so by the time we were recording like Colvane, I can remember sitting and, you know, F word, we were all thinking like, that's going to be the next Miss Jackson. Microphone check, one, two, what is this? It's the five foot seven assassin in the podcast business. I am your host, Rohan Patra, the rap music plug at your service. Here we are again. I love rap because not every collab we get in the genre needs to make sense on first glance. As long as the artists in question are on the same page artistically, know their strengths and are willing to take risks and compromise when needed, the results can be great. That's what we get with today's guests Uncommon NASA and Guilty Simpson on their latest collaborative album, Escalation. Originally when Escalation was announced, I wasn't clear on how this album would really end up sounding because surely both artists were great in their own right, but alignment between their two sounds didn't initially jump out to me. But after having NASA and Guilty on the show, the reason why their pairing and Escalation as an album works became abundantly clear to me. As long-standing, highly respected veterans in their respective hometown hubs of hip-hop, NASA being from New York and Guilty from Detroit, they possess a strong connection as it relates to their perspectives on the craft and how they approach making music. In today's episode, this dynamic duo talks about key lessons they learned from their careers that involved legendary artists like Dilla, Sean Price, and the original Def Jokes crew, as well as their artistic development, insight into the Detroit and New York hip-hop scenes, ending it off with a breakdown into the creation of their latest musically exhilarating collaborative album, Escalation. The Rap Music Plug podcast presented by QLC TV is the remedy to the I don't have anything good to listen to problem. Through in-depth artist interviews, album reviews, and general rap commentary on the best that the underground rap scene has to offer, this is your one-stop shop to knowing what to add to your queue, play next, or pop into your record player. Welcome to the show. Guilty Simpson, Uncommon NASA. How are you guys doing today? Good, good. Can't complain. Thanks for having us. Doing good. Yeah, thank you. Absolutely. Man, very happy to have you guys on. Like, I've been a big fan of this record. It's one of those records where I feel like it gives me a lot to chew on lyrically and production-wise, and I just love albums that reward those, like, replay value and all of that shit. And just generally, man, like, I've been following both of your careers for honestly quite some time now even before I feel like I really got tapped into the underground in the way that I am now because you guys are just vets you've been doing music for so long and I've even as a young person when I was mostly kind of like a mainstream quote-unquote hip-hop fan I still knew you guys and uh, was impressed so before getting into how your pads even crossed and the 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 latest record I want to just get into some of your backstories first and, and learn more. So, you know, starting with you, Guilty, you were a, obviously a key member of like a burgeoning Detroit rap scene in, in the 2000s. You've gained respect from some of the finest artists from the region and for good reason. And something I've always appreciated about your music since the jump really is that you've always come across extremely confident and sure of yourself on the mic. And... 
I wonder like where that confidence and where that comfortability came. So I wonder like how important was the influence and the guidance of folks like Dilla and other Detroit, like hip hop OGs that came before you were in terms of like helping you grow as an artist and, and uh, kind of guide you through your career. I mean, I would say they were, they were critical. Um, like with us being in Detroit at the time, I would say pre-internet boom, um, you more or less had to go and frequent certain spaces to even get exposure to rhyme amongst other MCs. And it required you to um, be able to hold your own because you weren't guaranteed a spot to get the mic on a weekly basis. So you almost had to stand out. And I think that challenge, you know, the, the open mic spots and uh, uh, demands that had to be met uh, in order to continue getting the microphone kind of pushed you to not only write a dope verse, but practice it, you know, through the week, you know, leading up until the open mic, you know, to kind of be able to deliver your stuff. So I think uh, the limited resources that we had uh, here in Detroit and uh, the certain gauntlet you had to kind of go through to earn your stripes around here kind of um, made all of us uh, have an appreciation for being able to even hold the microphone. You know what I mean? Um, and I think that would uh, go from me, me, Royce, Elzai, uh, Bazaar, Kanai, anybody from Detroit that came up in that era before the internet boom, which now you can pretty much become an MC from rapping in your living room mm. without ever having to come into contact with other MCs to test, to really see where you are before those days. Um, you know, that was kind of all we had. And I think that's what shaped me more than anything. And people like Dilla, uh, being from the outside, working with Tribe Called Quest and Fireside and all that, that gave us the hope and the inspiration and the standard to kind of follow by. But it was totally different because he was more like on the other side and we were like on the underground. So he was like where we were trying to be. And, you know, we were just more or less just kind of fending for ourselves just to get that exposure. So I credit my surroundings and my fellow Detroit MCs that have made it and some that didn't make it. Um, uh, to you know, help develop me and get me where I am. Sure, I was inspired by people around me. It, 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 I can imagine it's such a different dynamic because there's something different and just naturally, I would say, special where you kind of have to be in like physical contact and be physically present with other MCs. Right. And I would imagine it's probably a little more nerve wracking and a little more kind of a different challenge where it requires you to kind of come with that confidence or it would just show up very clear, uh, click quickly. And you just kind of look soft or just look like, okay, this guy's not comfortable. He's not ready. And right. uh, yeah. 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 It's, 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 it's definitely a different time. And, you know, it really depends on what you make of it. That could be an advantage or um, a disadvantage. Like I said, me coming up, coming up around these MCs, I would look at that as an advantage in my case. You know what I'm saying? Uh, some people might look at it as a disadvantage because um, you were judged by your peer group what was acceptable or not. We were pretty much judged by other MCs as opposed to uh, just a random audience of people just going by what sounds good to them. You were you were judged by a firm hand. And some of these people weren't your friend or your biggest fans either. So really had to uh, earn it and you know I I, I appreciate it and uh, I'm pretty sure the young people now 
that don't have to go through that can appreciate the fact that they don't have to go through that as well. Because like I said, you know, you can make a hit out of your living room right now and never have to come into contact with anybody. You know what I mean? So um, there's pros and cons to it. And I'm thankful to have experienced uh, some pre-internet just to get that hunger and that ability to create. I think that's critical, at least for me. And, you know, also be able to benefit from the other side of it, which is, you know, the internet stuff. You know what I mean? And, you know, being able to push a button and your record is shared with the whole world. So I'm thankful for that side as well. And, you know, like, can I jump in on that part of it too? Is like, just talk about the internet and just thinking about like, you know, because we'll talk a little bit about me too, but like, just like the beginnings of getting involved in hip hop, like back then, you know, this is a culture that, that was mostly a spoken history, you know, like when you're a person with people, it's not just, it, it is, but it's not just about like, all right, well, I'm interacting with other MCs or I'm talking to other producers or I'm talking to other fans. You get that FaceTime. It's also like the things that you hear and heard being in person with people because there was no Wikipedia, there was no, you know, internet to look things up. And like a big part of being part of this culture is knowing not just the history in a like know your history kind of cliche way, but like knowing the lineage, you know, like in New York and I'm sure in Detroit, like there's a lineage that came before us, you know, and there's like people that came before us that saw the thing that was three years prior and but they're still around to tell you about it and back then that was really important and that's the thing about like making a record in your living room these days you know you can exist in a vacuum you know you can you can push it out and be completely in your own circle that you've created with other people that are on the internet that are also doing the same thing and you don't you don't get the opportunity to learn at a young age, you know, into your teens and young 20s, the way that you did back then. And that's that's a huge difference, I think, because like it's it's just, you know, that's the disadvantage. I think arguably or at least as much as like not being able to go and like have those live venues to do shows and ciphers and and stuff like that. But it's also like just even like the fandom of it has changed. You know, the mm. way that you sit and talk and build and trade tapes and trade trade vinyl and trade CDs and, you know, all that kind of shit is, is totally different today. Yeah, way different, way you know? different, you know. Um, I think the power shifted, you know what I mean? Like, um, I know when we were younger, uh, a record, at a record, going to the record store and getting a record, it was almost like a gift. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, but now, uh, with the internet and so much music at a person's disposal, I've heard a fan pretty much tell me, you know, why should I buy your record? It's millions of records out here, you know. Mm-hmm. Why should I? You know what I mean? It was it didn't feel it almost felt like his view was him purchasing my record was a gift to me. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. Absolutely. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. But you know, um I felt like my I always felt like my art was a contribution to the world. But um the the when once the mentality of the fan changed um, it became a power shift uh, within the creativity of the music. I think that's why you see, would hear a lot of MCs, particularly uh, in this day and age, just really make cloned music, bro. It's just like not even a um, not even a subtle swipe at the creativity, just like an outright jack of the whole thing. You know what I'm saying? 
you know, pretty much saying, no, th this is what the fans want. So, you know, I, I, I have to take your style in the process of giving the fans what they want. There's no shame in it anymore. So, um, I think that 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 came with uh, the internet. You know, what I'm saying it's, it's it's a blessing and a curse, man. You know what yeah. I mean? Uh, 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 to to an artist, and you know, like I said, I'm appreciative of it. But to understand it, you have to understand everything about it and as much as you can about it, and its pros and cons that's uh, uh, in that. And you know, I understand it a lot better now. And you know, I just try to make it work as best as I can. You know, because it can definitely harm you in a lot of ways too. Yeah, and it's it's a disconnect too of like like I said like the 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 no like back then it was easier and harder right because there wasn't that connection directly to your fans but it was more of a gift then because everything was was a push forward you know like like you had the bridge and then you had top billing and then you had paper thin and like all those beats like now in retrospect are similar in certain ways but they were all pushing one off of each other as they went along and in the 80s right. into the 90s like into the late 90s even like a lot of hip-hop was oh they're doing it like this let me let me let me be inspired by this this gets into this album too but like let me be inspired by this but then add on top you know and like to your point guilty like a lot of times like that's not the goal these days and it is because of that fan dynamic where like people aren't like as thirsty for the music as much as people are thirsty to make the music and be the person that that sells the thing instead of being the person right, that buys right. the thing like who, right, who's right. who's really proud to buy music right now you know a lot of people right. are proud to sell music but that then that right. dynamic is totally different than what it was you know yeah it is i agree mm -hmm. i agree Shift locker, true and living hip hopper, zip locker, product why the haters wrist watching. On the ghetto block where they hear my shit knocking. On that paper racing, I'm never pit stopping. Stable when I see them flip flopping. Towards the fake jewelry, they think it's big profit. In the matrix, everybody's paper. Slept with every woman, murdered every hater, smoking every flavor. Billion dollar neighbors, smiling while they waving, overlooking hate. Yeah, so uh, you know, we were talking about you mentioned guilty this clone creativity that made me think generally just about like the current state of the game, current state of like the indie rap scene in particular. And you know, personally, as a listener, and again, I don't think I can, I definitely think that I cannot speak for every listener out there. Uh, but you know, from a listener perspective, I feel like one of the things I'm really loving right now is that a lot of vets in the game are still able to create and I think still amass a certain level of following and, and recognition from their work and are able to kind of try new things. And that's something I'm really loving. And I think we're seeing more and more artists almost sometimes even hit their stride at like age 40 plus and things like that, which is really, really honestly, really nice to see. But you know, from your vantage points, you kind of were touching on it a bit just now. Like, are you generally pleased with where things are going? Let's just say kind of musically before, you know, talking about like the economics of everything, like just musically, the creativity and all that. Like, are you kind of generally happy with some of that or do you think it is more um, stale? I dedicate so much time to my craft. I can honestly say I don't spend as much time as I could being a fan like I used to. So I would almost 
uh, hear somebody talking about something and then listen to it. You know what I'm saying? I'm so engulfed in, in beats and stuff like that. So I would say personally in my creative space, I feel very comfortable that I can create anything. And, you know, I know different ways to, you know, different uh, paths to create the same message in a song. You know, I can, I can hit you with a hardcore song uh, filled with uh, the worst obscenities, or I could uh, uh, make a hardcore song without one curse word and still be have the same impact. So I think me personally, I'm in a very comfortable space with creativity. But like I said, I think a, a large credit of that comes to where I come from. You know what I mean? Like I'm always going to uh, push myself to try to be different, at least with the style and uh, different things that I do. But as far as musically uh, in the industry, it's it's a lot of dope, very, very, very dope uh, MCs. But a lot of the ones that that um, tend to have uh, the platform and are being recognized, a lot of those guys sound the same. Like even the underground is starting to sound the same to me. You know what I'm saying? Um, but that's just scratching the surface of the underground because there's so many artists out there would be very shallow of me to lump everybody in the same category and say, oh, there's nobody doing it out here like that. You know what I mean? Like, I can't say that, you know what I'm saying? Because I don't investigate enough uh, to do that because I'm an MC. I feel like my obligation is is to be the change that I demand. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. If mm. it's a lack of something in the industry, if I'm able to do it, and still, still stay within uh, my wheelhouse of what I do, then I must be the void, so to speak. So I don't fish like that, but it is certain dope MCs that's out there. But I do notice the underground is starting to sound repetitive, almost like uh, the mainstream has been sounding repetitive to me. And, you know, that's a little bit disheartening, but I think a lot of times that comes with a lot of independent labels are probably looking for the same thing. I think they're following the template of the mainstream and says, okay, I have an indie label. Uh, let me look at what these guys are over here doing. Let me get the diet version of these MCs and try to make something similar to that. So um, I think the talent is out there, but I think as far as the platforms that they're on, it's kind of veering towards similar sounding stuff. So... That's why I just tend to, that's why we have Escalation, which was just sonically different. Uh, my cadence was different. Flows was different. So I'll just try to dedicate a little bit more emphasis to left field since everything sounds so safe to me. You know what I mean? It sounds kind of safe, creatively safe. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think it comes with with time in the game and in the business too. Like, you know, I came up, organizing and throwing shows in New York, going to shows in New York, listening to underground radio. I grew up listening to Stretch and Bobbito and like doing all that kind of stuff. I had a radio show for a while. I had a podcast for a while. And the basis of those shows was to try to support the scene, you know, and like, so that made me dig, you know, in recent years that had me like digging on Bandcamp and digging on SoundCloud and trying to find that next person because that's the era I came from. That's why I started a label way back in the day is like, I started a label with the belief of like, well, the best, the best rap music's out there. It's just not being heard. And over the course of the last 19 years now, like everybody's shit is out there somewhere and being heard. So like, 
it's just it's it's an overrun it's too much to keep up with and i know for myself as far as like organizing like trying to like find the new shit that people didn't know and either play it on the show book it on something in new york that i was doing when i was organizing events here or even signing it it just it wears you out it burns you out eventually you just can't do it anymore and i i don't i'm hesitant to say that comes with age as much as it comes with years in it you know what i'm saying like yeah. i think you know i burnt out on trying to find that next thing and try to have my finger on the pulse and just started focusing on my own music and the people that were immediately around me probably around age 40. i think that's probably a coincidence that it was around that time but you know when you start doing this shit as a fan you know from single digits and you start doing this shit in real life you know from you know teenage years and you get involved in some some real shit that like people know about by the time you're in your young 20s like that's a lot of time and i and i do have a lot of time in this and i guess i say all that to say like again like guilty said i would be shallow to just be like oh everything sucks you know <laughs> like that's just not right. how right. i feel about it I, i'm trying i'm trying to i'm trying to put it on me more so <clears throat> than put it on that and also like you get to a certain point where you've been listening so long to this to this music that only certain things really made for you and only certain things really attract to you you know mm -hmm. and it's okay you know when you're in your 20s and 30s like especially if you're in underground hip-hop like the shit is catered to you <laughs> you know if you're into yeah. underground hip-hop you're the audience people are trying to reach and you're making the music for that audience too and whatever it's all like the cyclical thing um once you get out of that loop you have to like be comfortable enough in your own skin to be like, well, you know what? Like there are other motherfuckers out here that are going to do shit that appeals to people that are far younger than me. And that's not just pop music. That's even the underground music is different. There's a lot of people making Indian underground stuff and I hear it and I'm like, I respect it, but it ain't something I'm gonna listen to all the time. And you got to get to a point in life where that's okay. You know? Um, and I, I feel like I have, you know, yeah, I, I think it's really hard to sometimes kind of decenter yourself from a lot of these conversations because I definitely am one to say like, man, how do people not like people at least are tapped in a little to the indie scene. I'm kind of just like, I don't understand how you don't see all the greatness that's creativity, cool new shit that's happening. But at the same time, as someone who was, you know, like I said, when I was younger, like most people, I was mainly into mainstream music, like mainstream rap and all that. I feel like right now I at a you know as a you know person who is still somewhat tapped into the mainstream it's so bleak right now it is so bleak and I feel like you can see the formulas and all these big label kind of movements happen and it's so brazen like you right. know take the the latest Travis Scott album I I swear there's this guy and I don't want, I don't even mean to talk shit on him I don't really care about his music too much but Tizo touchdown is just some some artist and he's on the album like three times and I swear I remember like I saw him on this album and I'm like who is this guy why is he on this big big name album like three times that's interesting then I see him mm -hmm. on like two other features I think he's on the Drake album and then I was just reminded that like this is how these mainstream labels do, they just kind of make deals and like, yo, put my artist on your, your album. It's very manufactured. And I remember this exact deja vu with another artist that I'm not going to name where 
He was in like 2018 on another big album. Like, who the fuck is this guy? And why did he get so many placements? But it's just like, who you know? And I just, it's, I personally think that mainstream hip hop is going to be, is already on the decline. And I feel like it's honestly going to get replaced by like Afro beats or something like, like reggaeton. Yeah, those, every, all the rappers are jumping on that shit half the time now. Mm, I feel like right. the mainstream is, on the decline and i don't even know if that's a bad thing it's hard for me to say that that's why i don't want to like speak too highly or negatively but it seems like mainstream uh hip-hop is fused into r&b so much that i just don't know the difference you know what i mean Mm -hmm. it's just like it's like one thing you know what i'm saying like you know like they might like, um, depending on who you ask, you know, Chris Brown might be a hip hop artist to some people. You know what I mean? It's like you don't know who's who. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's tra- like even Travis Scott, they're like hybrids. Like, are you a rapper? Are you a singer? Like, you know what I mean? So it's like there's nothing wrong with uh, melody added in music, but a lot of the foundation of hip hop is just uh, beats and rhymes. To me, that at least that's how I've yeah. always, you know, remembered hearing it. A lot of it that um, when I hear too many rappers singing, it gives me a headache almost. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, you know, especially um, in my opinion, I can ad- I can identify a rapper that's singing uh, a song and then singing his rap, and mm. the, the singing of the mm. rap is what grinds my gears more than anything. You know what I mean? It's just uh, I don't know, man. It just sounds seems uh, just seems lazy and forced to me. You know, I have such a appreciation for uh, R and B music. I just appreciated them being separate. You know what mm. I'm saying? It just was, you know, just something I um, just how I always liked it. You know what I mean? Just um, I'd appreciate the se- uh, them being separate. I it made me even appreciate the R and B hip hop collab even more when it happened. But now that it's, you know, every song, it takes the magic away from me. You know what I'm saying? Right. I can right. still acknowledge a great rap and R&B collab, but it takes it takes it away. It takes away from it uh, to me now. So it just seems, you know, just really standard and, you know, just not really good to me. Not like it should be. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know what I think is a big part of it, too? Because I haven't heard any of the any of the artists that you reference uh, but i will say that like because i'm you know i mean i'm in the cave here you know i don't i don't get i don't get exposed to mainstream hip-hop as much as uh, right. as much as most people do but that being got, said got you a, a musical bunker over there yeah exactly <laughs> nice. I don't, none of it gets to penetrate these walls but nice. what i will say is like as a dj too like you know a lot of mainstream hip-hop that i do hear as I hear it, the tempos are way slower now. You know, it's a lot of like, you know, you can play that hat as fast as you want, but if the kick and the snare are still moving at, you know, 74, you know, or lower BPM, it can only do, it can only go but so far in terms of being music that stays on top of the charts. Like underground hip hop is underground hip hop. It's supposed to be unconventional. Um, it can still very much be something that in a perfect world that you could throw on in a club or in a mix and keep people moving with, but it doesn't necessarily have to do that. It's not on the checklist of underground hip hop to make sure that that happens. 
but mainstream hip hop, it, it is like that's the whole point. You know, it's to make people move. And I think that's why you are seeing like you referenced it earlier, like this rise in like African based hip hop, because all that shit is moving. Like all that it shit is. is moving way faster. I was just at um, I have an in-law that got married to um, a Nigerian woman. So I was at a mixed wedding and her whole family was all Nigerian and the DJ was playing all the African hip hop like all night long. And the shit was moving. It was a wedding. You know what I mean? Like it moved a wedding. It moved people that had never heard that shit before because unless you're at least aware of like what's going on like in hip hop, you may not be exposed to realizing what mainstream rap comes from Africa at this point and what comes from America. And it was just interesting to see that, you know, the DJ controlled that crowd of people of all different backgrounds and ages and regions, you know, it was down in Atlanta, so it wasn't here. And that kind of taught me a lot, you know, where I was like, oh, this is why, like when I DJ, like, you know, I'm DJing reggae most of the time. And and even when I'm not DJing reggae, I really DJ like older hip hop, like real, like pioneer era hip hop, because the shit moves. And like you could play cool stuff that isn't like just like the pop songs, you know, off of turntables, because that's the way music was made then. And I don't know, I'm sure I could be proven wrong, but like I don't know how much like you can play a lot of mainstream hip hop today off of turntables in like a small lounge or a club and really move that crowd. I mean, they may move in a certain way that's different than what we're used to, but ultimately, like, and I'm not a guy that makes fast tempo beats. Like most of my beats are at 86, you know, by design. But when you're talking about mainstream, it's supposed to move at a certain speed. And a lot of the African hip hop is doing that. And people don't realize that that's why it's successful. I don't think all the time, like it's, it's checking the boxes of what a pop song is supposed to do. And yeah, people here are not doing that by and large, you know, I think Yeah, I think it's a I think it's exactly what you're saying. And I also think it's a uh, perfect storm with just the natural decline of a lot of the mainstream raps, hit makers as well, like, freaking what Kanye's mm-hmm. doing right now is just leave it at that. That's a travesty. It's just sad to right. see. Even like then the Drakes, who used to be like actually making like pushing the charts and being like he still is, but even people that I live in fucking Toronto, like I know this, I I'm in the six as they say, people aren't like as pleased with his music like that. People are like, yeah, I listen to it, like all the mainstream, yeah, I listen to, it. but they're not excited like that anymore. Kendrick did have a successful album last year, but he kind of like disappears, you know for years right. on end so right, right, right. jay-z's not making that kind of music and he's older like you know it's it's kind of a mixture of all of that but i, I do want to go back in time as, as well for you nasa because obviously you've been a fixture in the the underground scene for multiple decades uh, delivered high quality records on your own and as well as early on in your career i know you were you made a name for yourself as a as an engineer working with the deaf jokes and the in ozone and things like that uh, working on classics like Fantastic Damage, Cole Vane, etc. And I wonder during that era of your career, what were some of the more valuable experiences you got and or kind of just lessons you learned that influenced how you developed in the, into the artist that you are today? I mean, it made me, I had reps in a studio, you know, so like I knew how a record was made like at a really young age. 
like you know and i was a part of making those records so like that's something that i noticed like when i would bring younger people in here not by that much but like just less experienced people i should say is a better word for it like they didn't know how to make a record you know you put somebody in a booth and they're trying to recapture what they do on a stage and it's like that's not how studios work bro like you know like that was something that I didn't need to be taught, you know, like I, I saw it so many times in front of me by hit and record, bring it back, doing another take, bring it back, do another take. And like, when you get to engineer, I was lucky, you know, like I, 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 I've worn a lot of hats, but as I say a lot, like there was times in my life where I wore those hats individually. So by the time I got to a certain point, I could engineer and produce and rap simultaneously you know what i mean but i spent like a chunk of time of course i was working on my own music but i was because i was in the studio engineering like i didn't have to get my shit out right then and there i didn't have to fucking prove anything because i was working on other people's shit that i was really into and i was able to kind of sit and let my shit develop before i really stepped out on my own and started putting out solo music as an mc or started you know producing tracks that people actually got to hear so I think that's something that I learned. I don't, I don't know if there's one point, but like just being around, you know, was it, you know, steel sharp and steel, you know what I mean? Like, you, you know, you're around people that are really fucking talented, you know, like my first sessions at Ozone were Company Flow and Anti-Pop and Mike Ladd and Saul Williams and Mr. Liff and people like that. Like I got to see them do their shit before, you know, Rob Sonic, Sonic Sum, like people like that, that, kind of I was already into like what today you would call left field hip hop because I was listening to Stretch and Bob and buying all the Fondom stuff and going to all the shows. I mean I just randomly I'll show you right here. Like I just made this shirt on the five thing and it's all the venues from New York. You know, and it's like I grew up at these places, you know, and so like that's what that that I was, so I was already into that kind of music and then seeing the people that I, in some cases, the people I'd already been listening to do it in front of me, you know, that you can't really replace that kind of lesson in terms of like making you solid in the studio and knowing how to make a record. You know, you don't have to be the most, in my opinion, you don't have to be like the most successful money making producer, rapper, engineer to be like, I know how to make a record. You know, like the, the backup catcher on a major league team is going to be the manager one day. You know, like it's not about like just raw skill all the time. It's about like, do you know how to do this shit? And that I would say I took from like Ozone and, and Jux and just getting the, the blueprint down and being able to make my own shit for better or worse, you know? Yeah, I think you, you kind of going back quickly to what we were saying about, you know, the current rap scene and all of that. I think that's something that in a way, on one hand, I've been really pleased with and i think has led to really cool results where people are kind of playing with the idea of what makes a record where we're breaking down structures you don't need hooks necessarily you can maybe just do like a short one and a half minute two minute track just a verse uh, all that, all that all stuff that, all that is fine and like and i've seen that evolution you know what i mean like and i've been part of like artists that do that kind of thing but i will tell you from my perspective when i'm making records I like structure, you know, because like if you if you if you still have a verse chorus verse chorus format as your template, then you can manipulate that and then it becomes more creative and more interesting and, and, it, and it makes people want to hear the song again. 
to me, like, I think a lot of underground hip hop and even probably mainstream, it's, it's very, because of Spotify and streaming companies and all that kind of shit, like people are comfortable making songs that are a minute and a half, you know, and it's okay to have a short song, but I just don't know if like, I will ever enjoy again, like not everything's made for me. This is part of that whole thing that we're talking about, but like, I don't know if I'm ever going to be like really amped to hear an album full of minute and a half songs, no matter who makes it, because it just doesn't give me enough time. That being said, like there was a time in hip hop where everybody was expected to do three verses every single song, whether it was sometimes I hear old school songs that are classic legendary songs. And we get through two verses and I'm like, oh, fuck, there's another verse. Yeah, I, forgot. Right. I forget yeah. that there was, I'm like, damn, yeah. why did, why did he Very need a third true. verse? And then I realized that like back then that was the format. So yeah, there's a balance, you know, like we don't have to be like locked into like three verses, two choruses, whatever. But to me, like structure is really important. And like you get to a point where like breaking structure for the sake of breaking structure is not as creative as it seems. That's my personal opinion. No, and I, and I, that's where I was getting at. Like, I feel yeah. like I do. I, I and again it's different tastes i do really like those kind of vignette style albums but they they require a certain level of performance and kind of kind of uh lightning in a bottle essence that like it's really hard to do whereas if you kind of flesh the song out put a hook in that was good i probably like it more for like 80 percent right. of rap because i feel like a pendulum has swung too far where a lot of these artists these mm-hmm. days in the underground they don't know how to make records like you said like they don't right. even have the skill it's not like they're intentionally manipulating structure in a creative way that's cool but they're, they're just actually just unable to do it so they're obviously not doing it and that's not the same thing like i think of a like even it's like classic the one that everybody always references and i do love the records some rap songs earl like earl wasn't always doing that when he was back in like the odd future days he was still making hooks and and then he intentionally broke that. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think made it really cool. And even then he's kind of stopped doing that as much. But the point is, is that it's, yeah, it's the intentionality behind it. And, you know, like in that, in that kind of era of your, your career, were you, cause I know you were, you were working, like you weren't just like a fan, you weren't actively right. participating in this. I wonder, like, did you were you like realizing or aware that like, damn, this is a real moment that people are going to like, like talk about for decades to come? Or was it just like, I'm doing my job. This is fun. I like making music. They're making music. This is all great. I mean, so I like, again, like I was aware of, obviously, like I was a big fan of company flow, you know, like I, I love company flow when, when I was mopping up the floor in a Burger King, listening to eight steps and, three in the morning, you know, like that was, that was where I came from. So like when I got, and I shouldn't say I got the opportunity cause I made that, you know, like I, I got, I was working in studios. I was interning in studios when I was 17 and I recorded, well, I didn't record shit. I was 17. I interned at a studio 17 and I saw like Larry Coriel had a session and fucking Nusra Fatih Ali Khan and like these legendary, you know, they had like, Grand Royal would send people to the studio. So at 17, I was already in studios and already kind of like getting my feet wet. And what I really wanted to do then was the dream was like, oh man, if I could only do this, but do it for music that I really love. Not that I didn't love that music in a certain way and wouldn't have been happy just recording quality music, but like, can I do this with the underground shit? And so like, I remember I 
I interned for a day at this big studio in Midtown and it never, they never recorded hip hop there. And I, I was there for a day. Long story short, I come in, first thing they told me to do, I was probably like 19 or 20. First thing they told me to do is go make the coffee. This is back in the day when like, if you were an intern in a studio, you just ate shit, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, so like, I go and I got the fucking coffee pots and I fucking dropped the fucking coffee pot because the shit was like down the hall, cracked into a million pieces. First impression that I made in this place. And they're like, oh fuck, this fucking guy, like can't even make coffee. So I didn't really do shit the rest of the day, but sit around. But of all the people that was booked in that studio that day, not that I had any interaction with them, but just for a coincidence of it, was like Ish the Butterfly, like in like long before Shabazz Palaces, but like pretty far after Diggable Planets. Um, I don't know, some label probably still had him signed, so he was still doing music. And I never worked there again because I came home and I heard, you know, the end of M Burner's CD. And at the end, it was like this whole thing with BMS and L talking shit about like, oh, send your demos into this place. Here's the address, you know, you know, we'll put you on. And instead of sending a demo, I took that address and I looked up how to get the phone number I called them, asked them if they wanted to intern at Ozone, and I faxed my resume over, and I got a job working with all my fucking, you know, 19, 20-year-old rap heroes. All of a sudden, I'm in there working with fucking L, and I'm working with Len. Just had already been gone by then, but, like, you know, one of the first things I did was, like, the, the engineer who was working there was like, yo, I want you to get used to the studio here. Listen to this listen to listen to this unreleased album from company flow and they and they had like uh little johnny from the hospital and i just like blasted the the instrumental co flow album in the studio and like they had already recorded some of the cannibal ox shit and so that's how i got into this i already knew that i was in the presence of people that were doing the shit that i loved and to us in new york up until 2001 like that was already history you know 95 was kind of beginning of the indie scene and then into like 99, 2000, and then 01 is when the shit really went national. You know, I mean, Funk Crusher was known around the country, but like when Jook started, they had the, the money behind them from Caroline and they had like the promotion. And so by the time we were recording like Cole Vane, I can remember sitting in, you know, F word, we were all thinking like, that's gonna be the next Miss Jackson. You know, we, we, we had like, they had, and we had like me included, like a concept that like, this could blow up. And I, I feel like that's another thing to get back to your other question. Like I learned, you know, in the studio, like that's how you're supposed to approach it. I don't know if that's true for you too guilty, but like, you know, when I'm making something, no matter how underground it is, like I have this context in my head, like, oh, people are going to love this shit. Because like, if you come into the studio with any other mentality, it's not going to work, you know? And like, you're just going right. to be the sad guy. So like, I, <laughs> I, I felt that at that time, you know what I mean? Like, and we all felt that way at that time because it's New York and people are confident and people just, you know, L gave off that aura too. So like, it was just like, we knew, you know, that, that the shit was going to be, and even the stuff that didn't do as well as like a Cole vein or, or a fantastic damage or a bazooka tooth or whatever, like that, the feeling was still the same in the studio in the moment. And the feeling was the same, you know, when I, when I was making escalation with guilty here, like I, I was like, yo, you know, I was, I was amped about it. And like, it gets back to what we're saying before about structure. Like, you know, 
people people have said in interview uh excuse me in reviews like oh this is you know left or this is you know whatever and like it is there's elements of creativity to it that you could interpret as left field but every song like for the most part has a chorus and a purpose and a theme and a, and a concept and right. a topic like this shit ain't here to be weird you know this shit is right. here to to, right. to challenge and to be interesting you know and and that's the culture that i come from in new york too well i'll just put it in perspective it's different because it's different you know what i mean it's not like it's trying to be weird or anything like that, but it just doesn't sound sonically like a lot of the stuff because uh, this out already because Nasser wasn't following rules with what he was doing. It just was dope, you know what I mean? So, you know, like I said, so it doesn't necessarily make it left field. In my opinion, it's just different because it's different than anything that's out there, you know, not intentionally uh, different, you know, to try to try to go against the grain of what's going on. You know, that's just what we came up with, and it's not forced, and it doesn't sound forced. So, um, uh, a lot of people might interpret it as different, and I feel like I'm the element that probably would make it make someone make it a left field comparison to it because they're comparing it to my previous work where uh, Apollo Brown had a distinctive sound. A Mad Lib might've had a distinctive sound. They used to me picking certain kind of beats and hearing me off those beats, which is usually a standard kind of way that I might uh, select my production. But this right here, uh, this was something that was built over time too. So it wasn't like he just sent me one batch of beats and I just went and cherry pick stuff right. like that. It was developed into a sound. And I think that's why, uh, you know, it sounds like it sounds. And that's a compliment in my opinion. Mm -hmm. yeah. I really like it. Yeah, yeah 100%. Yo, born and raised, my sheets tell of street feast where the liars tore my page. Experience spawned my age. Old school wars of rage. Dope house doors and raids cave in. Who was once paid men get thrown in the cage then? Sing loud when they say when. You gotta be fast to get them. Be safe. A lot of these rats are killers. They was right there hustling, bagging with them. Yeah, like one of the things that I, I really can appreciate about Escalation is that I feel you guys are bringing two really, really rich rap scenes together like blending those worlds together because and personally i have to say like as someone who's from neither spot i'm from toronto like i know new york gets a lot of spotlight for good reason i love new york hip-hop but i also really love detroit hip-hop and i do feel sometimes it gets slept on particularly at like a national kind of more mainstream view and what i find particularly cool about detroit is is the musical influences it pulls from because there's like a dance scene there there's like an electronic scene and i find the styles of rappers that we get and producers too that we get from that scene are just very distinct very one-on-one right, -on -one. right. It, it it really kind of always comes there's an extra eccentricity about it i think that's really cool so like guilty what would what would you say is if there is one way of putting it is the detroit sound or you know um, trademark approach to hip-hop Talking to anybody, you will probably get a different answer. That's how different it is. Cause we have a we have a street rap signature sound that's totally. I mean, I don't even deal with. It. It's more like a younger sound that's that's going on here. But um, me personally, um, with the people that I've uh, encountered with, 
and then I came up with the Black Milks and uh, uh, YG and uh, uh, DJ Dez and um, uh, Dilla, you know, all of these different people. Uh, we are techno babies, you know what I'm saying? We grew mm-hmm. up listening to techno. You know, we had Dwayne in the mix, Bradley and Mojo, and they used to spin techno records. So we, um, though techno didn't have... Um, MCs like even certain certain techno songs did have MCs that would rhyme on them in, in club environments and stuff like that. But most of it being instrumental, uh, it made us have an appreciation for hearing uh, kind of like spaced out beats. You know what I mean? Like futuristic types of sounds. You know, alien type sounds, weird stuff. Not not necessarily bad, weird, but you know, just just different. You know what I mean? And I think that's. Uh, that's the Detroit sound. When you listen to uh, uh, the way Dilly used to make um, uh, Slum Village stuff on Fantastic, and he would kind of uh, uh, mute out certain elements to the beat where it would sound like it was far away playing in a yeah. hallway or something. You know what I'm saying? He would uh, he would kind of uh, manipulate manipulate the way you listen to music in some of it. Even sometimes he would loop something and just put a weird effect on it like it was underwater or something. No, he would do something like that. And I think that came from the essence of uh, us growing up on techno. You know what I mean? I really do uh, believe that. And I think we have a a, a real appreciation uh, for it. And um, I think that's one of the foundations of how all of us might be different in style, but um, all of it sounds like it comes from one body. I think that's the uh, the missing element that a lot of places didn't have. You know what I mean? Yeah, I love that because it's the, it makes for really dynamic performances. Like uh, that's where you get like the the weird wacko Danny Brown shit, Quelle right, Chris, right, and then right, also absolutely. you have like a different approach of it, like you and you know like an Alzai. Like it's Elzai, just the, right, the eclecticism right, right. of it is just. Mm it's super forward thinking like that. That's probably what I'd say. And I'm also reminded of something guilty. You said in a previous like interview or something about how, because you're from Detroit, you're not from the, the, the East coast kind of like discourse and, and kind of narratives and not from the West coast. And you, right. you mentioned this in reference to liking Ill, uh, liking it was written over Illmatic. And right. I find that's a really nice microcosm because like, you weren't caught up in the prevailing trends of like whatever these big kind of powerhouse hip hop markets were saying, and you were just taking it with a kind of an unbiased ear. And I feel like that's kind of like how I, how I feel, how I picture people in Detroit making music are like, because I feel like they're just taking a very unbiased new, almost uninfluenced in the same way, kind of approach to rap. It's really cool. Exactly. You know, we weren't married to, the nostalgia and it's not necessarily a bad thing. You know I mean? I, I could imagine living, well, I can't imagine, but living in New York when Illmatic dropped, it wasn't only mm-hmm. a sound. It had to be a feeling. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. And it was a Absolutely. feeling that I couldn't relate to. You know, I can't relate mm-hmm. to it. I can't relate to being in New York city when Illmatic dropped. You understand what I'm saying? My thing is only strictly just an unbiased, honest ear and the same thing with the west coast when the west coast was winning i didn't know what it was like uh to be uh in la in 94 you know what i mean the height of death row i didn't know what that felt like so it was just more we were just more or less just 
in taking information minus the nostalgia. And I think that nostalgia element is um, what we miss, you know what I mean, um, when it comes to judging certain music. So that doesn't make me any more right than anybody from New York, you know what I mean? And that doesn't make me any more right than anybody from the East Coast. It's just a difference of opinion. And I absolutely respect it. And I think what get, kind of gets lost in all of it is that we're splitting hairs here because mm -hmm. both of those are incredible projects to me. You know what I mean? So I think some people say when, you know, uh, when you might say who's the best, LeBron or Jordan, you know, you almost mm -hmm. act like second place is a super insult. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? So uh, when you kind of uh, put it in that perspective and just understand that it's only a preference of both projects that I uh, thoroughly enjoy, but I enjoy it minus uh, the nostalgia elements and then, even when you listen to certain people judge each project, someone from the East Coast might say that it was written was more of a West Coast stab. Like that was his, because, you know, Dre was on the project. Yeah, yeah. Uh, It was certain, like Black Girl Lost on there too, where it's right, just like right, got that right. kind of wavy feel, you know. Right, right, right. It, and, yeah. uh, 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 Street Dreams are made of these. That's the same sample that Tupac used for All Eyes on Me. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So it was certain things that were added uh, to it was written that, you know, um, I'm sure it took the nostalgic uh, element totally away from a person that was from New York because it was like it went from being something extremely East Coast to something more branched out. And, you know, um, when you're attached to something, to see it, you know, being pulled away from you and stretched out to other people, a lot of times uh, you might get uh, a hint of resistance uh, from that, because, you know, people hold that so close, you know, a lot of people, you talk to people from New York, that's the greatest hip hop record ever put together. So, you know, they want to hold that, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, you know, respectfully, you know, I, I enjoy it too, but I'll give, it was written a slight edge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I feel that. Um, so, so NASA, you, you mentioned earlier about how, like you took this, when you were progressing through your career, working from like, at one point you were really treating your different kind of crafts, let's say individually, you were engineering and then you moved to producing. And after you kind of mastered that finally, then only then you got to, to kind of like working on your MC from the standpoint of like, I don't know, enjoyment or just like feeling more rewarding, like, or playing fun, even like what artistry type are you most into right now? Like, is it the engineering? Is it the producing? Are you more in a rapping bag right now? Like, wh where's your head at? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I guess to clarify, like, I mean, I was always working on all three of those things, you know, but it was like, what was the priority? You know what I mean? Like, right. what, what was the one, two, three? But they were all being worked at in tandem. It's just like, what am I really serious about? And I, I think there was a time where, like, the way that I was involved the most in hip-hop directly was was through my engineering. And then it became producing a little bit, for a small period and then running the label and then like you know all of a sudden my group fell apart and i started doing solo work and you know somehow my solo work started to get more attention than anything i'd ever done before which you know i appreciated at the time that was about 10 years ago when new york telephone came out but i was surprised because i was like oh wow okay maybe, maybe i need to start focusing on me more than i thought you know and so like that sent me into a period where I was touring and like, I came into it late. Like, like I said, I mean, I was always rapping, but like, I didn't tour until I was 34, 
Yeah, 33 or 34, uh, 34. And and I, I went hard, you know, short run tours in, in the States. Like, I mean, I've been almost everywhere in the US, but I was from like 34 to 39. So I spent like five years doing like three or four, like 10 day tours a year for that stretch. So during that time, I would have said MCM for sure, because I was actively doing it, you know, since just before the pandemic and definitely during the pandemic, you know, I don't tour like that. So I, it would be silly for me to not stay production in some ways, but I'm a writer, you know, like I make music and I, I, I love writing and I love rapping and I love, you know, performing. So it's all kind of even, but I think over the last couple of years, I'm I'm really into making beats like for because for a while, like my style when I when I'm rapping for a while, it took me a, a while to find a way for my style to fit over my beats like my beats are are, you know, purposefully like aggressive and attention getting and that's because that's what I grew up hearing, you know, like I grew up premiere and and RZA and, and producers like that were my influences as a younger person. So like that's what I thought and bomb squad and stuff like that. So like, you know, that's what I knew how to do. But like my my approach as an MC, I could be, you know, even on era that doesn't know, like I can come at you like that, but a lot of times I like to do inner thought kind of shit. You know what I mean? And so like that doesn't always work with my style of production. At least it didn't. Now I'm starting to kind of bring it all together in the new stuff I'm working on behind the scenes. But um, so it's a little bit of both. That's a long way of saying it. it's a little bit of both. I mean, engineering is just like a thing that I do now. You know, I mean, I have to, it's part of the process. You know, when I get mm -hmm. to the, the song is done, I have to fucking mix it, you know? And like, that's not to say it like, oh, I hate doing it. It's just, it's just part of the, the thing that has to get done at this point. You know, I try to be creative with my mixes, but it's not like when I was 25 and like 90% of my career was about mixing, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense. And, you know, Guilty, one of the things that, like, I I kind of said it a bit earlier, but I'll expand on it, that I really like about your music is that you seem, you're very authentic and you're very, like, comfortable being yourself. And, you know, whether it be, like, laying rhymes on some, like, straightforward meat and potatoes boom bap or something really left field, like what we get on on Escalation, something that's challenging or even some of the nuttier stuff on like OJ Simpson that Madlib produced for you. Um, mm -hmm. I really like that quality of yours. And it reminds me of someone that you've collaborated with closely as part of Random Acts, Sean Price. Because that was the thing I always got from him. It was like, man, he's so, he's, he's so himself all the time. Never seems like he's posing or trying to do something or be something that he's not. And he was right. proud of that. And, you know, like how, how did working with an artist like Sean Price inspire you in this in this way? and how you uh, approach your craft. Uh man, um I it's unbelievable, you know what I mean, to uh, uh be able to work with somebody like uh Ruck. Um I already was a fan of what he was doing. That's how ultimately how we met. Um I wanted him on uh, my record uh, all to the ghetto. I have a track called Run produced by Black Milk and that song was the birth of Random Acts. So uh, I already was a fan of his work before I started working with him. So uh, ultimately to uh, get him to be a feature on the album 
uh, turned into a group. So, you know, you know, when I uh, got into contact with them and we started um, communicating and listening to each other's music, you know, when we decided to form the group, you know, that was, um, it feel it feel the, it feels something that I needed to do because with Dilla passing, you know, I was already working close with somebody I admired musically. Um, he passed his untimely passing uh, right when we were getting starting to work it was kind of eerily similar uh, when I was dealing with Sean Price. You yeah. know what I mean? Like I just developed his friendship. We just really scratched the surface on what we was doing. We had plans. We were starting to work on the next record uh, when he passed. So, I mean, really, um, just being around him, I feel like it just made me um, um, more appreciative of time. You know what I'm saying? Because um, it's not promised because we had so many plans. He was, you know, as far as I knew, he was healthy. So it wasn't like uh, in the case with Dilla where he was, you know, battling something. And, and we, you know, not saying that I expected uh, Dilla to get sick. I'm not saying that at all. But uh, when someone is build, uh, battling something and dealing with it, and you eventually see them uh, breaking down and going through something. Um, and even in your subconscious, you know, it kind of uh, lessens the blow a little bit, you yeah. know, especially when you see them suffer, you know, you almost feel like, you know, wow, I don't see you going through that anymore. So um, that was different, but with, with P it was uh, that really hit hard and it made me um, have to deal with some unresolved feelings I had about, uh, when Dilla passed. So it was really a, a tough time, but it made me um, a better person. I'm a better MC for having uh, been around him, work with him. Uh, we were able to do uh, some dope shows, made a great album. So I'm very thankful for it. But, you know, um, uh, when it comes down to his presence, uh, uh, not him not being here physically, it's still uh, an ongoing uh, pain for me, but I don't want... Uh, to try to make my pain any greater than anybody else because he has music with people, you know, his Duck Down family and all that. That's that's his original uh, family. You know, Rockness Monster is his original uh, rap partner. You know what I mean? And so I can imagine if I miss Ruck like I do, you know, just imagine them, you know what I'm saying, and what they, they went through uh, missing out on uh, experiencing, you know, longevity with, you know, such a talented person so you know i'm just thankful bro you know it just made me a better person and you know i've encountered loss throughout my life losing you know great people and cool people and people i felt like passed uh before their time so um, i'm never comfortable with it but i have a level of acceptance with it and just you know understand that you know nothing really surprises me anymore so i just take what i learned from every person you know, be it good or bad, you know, and just, you know, apply it to make me a better person. You know, Sean P loved to laugh and crack jokes. He was hilarious. He he could have been a comedian, you know, like mm. he could have stopped rapping and been a comedian. It probably made more money than he did rapping being a comedian. That's how funny he was to me. So, you know, it just, he, he, he taught me how to laugh and enjoy, uh, life and you know not take myself even so serious so you know I'm, I'm thankful for that so i think that's the biggest thing uh our wives got close my wife and his wife bernadette got close and uh, my daughter and his family and everything so uh me and sean p's uh uh encounter and becoming friends is it goes deeper than 
just me and him as MCs. So, you know what I'm saying? Thankful for that. You know, rest in peace to John Price. You know? Yeah, rest in peace, man. That's beautiful. Yeah, uh, yeah 100%. Uh, I definitely, just from even his rhymes, like the, the comedy was so. Yeah, he so was hilarious, bro. I was listening to it at the gym the other day. It's just it's cracking me up as I'm trying to lift weights. The devil says he loves you, but love is a lie. The people want a miracle, they looking in the sky. Looking for some clarity, but everybody's high. Shit attracts flies with not enough tries. It comes to no surprise when you get denied. Greedy one side, over muted outcries. Screaming out foul like they moving outside. Screaming out how could you do us how time? It's proving that you do us when you're doing our kind. It's do us with maneuvers that was new to our minds. Choosing how you're moving was removing our blinds. Now I'm in the shine, running suicide lines. Let's let's get into this new record, you know, so you know, when I first heard this, I was just really excited because I was curious to see how like your distinct styles would mesh. And I think it really did mesh well. And so what what did you see in each other's styles artistically that you that made you feel like, oh, damn, we should we should collaborate on a full length. This could be something really cool. I think one thing to go back to what we were talking about before, like the Detroit sound, like, you know, like for me as a New Yorker, that's a fan of a lot of MCs and producers from New York. Like the thing that I point to the most is like Dylan and Black Milk and how much they use synthesizers, like heavy synth in their music. And that's the kind of shit that I've always sampled. And as I've gotten older, you know, I've been able to acquire, you know, well, this way, well, these things behind me here. So like I used, I use a lot of the synths behind me you know, some of them I didn't have them, but, but, you know, to make this record and it, and it just having that context for Detroit, like that's, that was my context in Detroit, you know, like my context was, was that sound that, that just bassy guttery synth type of hard drums, the random acts, you know, like that right. record, you know, that's right. how I picture, you know, as much as Sean Price was on that. And that was like a combination of New York and, and Detroit, like, right. The way that that record sounds, it sounds like a like Sean Price on a Detroit mm-hmm. kind of New York, but more of a Detroit sounding record. And that's why it was mm-hmm. so dope. And mm-hmm. that was why I felt like, you know, it could work because I knew that my influences outside of just enjoying those producers, you know, I was already involved in the underground in New York where like those are the kind of records we sampled it was like progressive rock records, a fusion jazz records and shit like that. They just had that mm-hmm. synthy, edgy feel to it. So that's why I thought it would work. And, and also just lyrically, you know, what Guilty does with like what you said, I mean, you know, he's just an honest dude on the mic, you know, like it's just reality rap, you know, like it's most of his most of his songs are about him and his own experience and that's you know while i wasn't like an mc beyond one verse on this record like that's what i do as an mc so like that's why i've always been a fan of guilty is like you know you you get that that thing where you're like oh okay he's he's doing you know shit that i really understand you know what i mean and and, and so between those two things i just felt like it would work and of course we had the collaborations with man by dog records to to sort of test that theory yeah. And right. so once those collabs were in the in the in the bucket, I was like, all right, you know, it's time for me to come back and and try to put a whole record together with with one of my favorite artists. So, right, right. and you know, like I said, it's like you said, um, 
the ingredients of what he was using to make these beats was just uh, an easy transition for me, even though, you know, they were different. Like, you know, he, he just mentioned uh, other records, so, you know, the Random Acts record and, you know, Black Milk records and different things like that. But it was no uh, impersonation involved mm-hmm. with what he was doing. You know what I'm saying? It just was the understanding of the elements and knowing what, would be the better uh, landscape for me to perform under. And, and since that was his naturally what, you know, Nas is able to do and that, that, you know, that's in his wheelhouse of what he does. It just was an easy, easy yes for me, you know, especially once he started sending beats. And like I said, through Man Bites Dog, we were always co- already comfortable with working with each other. So I already knew what he could do musically, but once he was able to start sending me beats and I could see, um, that he had the range as a producer to uh, uh, allow me to create and not sound repetitive, then that's yeah. when I knew, you know what I'm saying? Because, you know, some producers, there's, there's some great producers or beat makers. I don't know know how people choose to separate them, but some people are able to recreate the exact same mood with their beats. It might be a different tempo. It might be a different whatever. And sometimes, depending on how exciting that sound is, <laughs> whether it's a strong point or a weakness, um, you know, some people have a signature sound that could carry a whole career, and it sounds excellent. And I, mm-hmm. I look forward to hearing the signature sound. You know what I'm saying? And then some people have range that could take different sounds and uh, from raindrops to a lawnmower going. You know what I mean? It could create something out of nothing. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's the element that NASA has. And I think that was really, really dope. And that's, you know, Detroit shit. And that goes back to the principles and the elements of uh, techno, you know what nope, I'm saying? Yeah. Running, running water, and you know, just whatever you can grab out of the side, the air to create, you know, this sound. You know what I'm saying? Is you know, so it was a real, real easy uh, transition for me. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, happy I did it for sure. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I really like the use of texture on this record. Like there's really cool cool feel to a lot of these records and right. there's so many nutty samples and i also say like you mentioned earlier nasa like some of your you know influences some of your like favorite producers i do feel like there's something kind of golden age there's an aesthetic that's very golden age to this to these beats although obviously it's very modern in like kind of your yeah. approach but there is like a golden age feel to it i get a lot of bomb squad on this record in particular and I, I also think it it captures like a I feel like a grittiness that I've always heard from a Guilty Simpson related record. But I feel like again, like the the sound is elevated in a sense where it's just there's a really cool kind of sense of atmosphere that feels like kind of comic booky, sci-fi, street flick. Like, and I think it's really I get that feeling, and then I see the album cover. And it just puts it together really perfectly. Like shout out to the DJ I Jazz agree. Pants who did this. Like yeah. that was like the perfect visualization for kind of the the sound. I think of this this album. It's yeah. it's the aggression. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's like the, it, it doesn't mean it has to be fucking heavy metal or whatever. You know what I mean? Like it, but it's aggressive. Like that's what hip hop, the hip hop that I like to be involved in. You know, it's it's got to have like that you know, that, that reason to nod your head and, and pay attention. You know, I think we're to some degree, we're like in an age of like an MC age, you know what I mean? Like it always goes back and forth. You know, you get like a five-year period where it's all about these 
eight beat makers and you get a five-year period where it's about these 12 MCs or whoever. And like nowadays, I think a lot of production is really made for good reason in a lot of cases to showcase just the MC, give them the space to just completely do whatever. But I think what we're losing is the art of like being able to create beats that are you know lush and that have a lot happening but still also give the mc that that seat at the head of the table to, to steer the ship so to speak and you know this was my attempt at it you know what i mean like this that's how i approach it you know again like you know you want to prepare for success whether you're going to get it or not as an underground you know producer mc i mean you want to create songs that mark those check marks you know do we have like some choruses do we have some verses do we have some structure do we have like mixes do we have drums you know everything was kind of i tried to make sure that i didn't forget anything you know what i mean like as the producer you know and made sure that there was enough there to like make sure that guilty was the star of the record but that you know there were different ways for him to show that you know over different kinds of production you know and like he said like we did it and i produced most of the records that i make this way like i'll send like two or three beats to start and then based on which beats get selected out of those two or three, then I'll just start making beats custom. Mm. And if and if we get to beat seven and that beat isn't really the thing, then we just move on. You know, what I mean, I make another one and we just keep making another one. Like I made every every beat on this record was made for Guilty Simpson. Like there's, there's no beats that are sitting in the stash that I threw on this. Like these are all beats that I made with with him in mind, which was, you know, based on the roster of producers he's worked with over the years is an intimidate like once I sat down I was like all right the record's real we're gonna make this you know it's like oh fuck like I have to like really start going into my bag to like hmm. keep up with this man's back catalog but you know which is a different thing you know I don't know if any other producers have ever said that to you before guilty but like you know you when you're responsible for the beats you know it's different you know it's like a chorus like it's like yeah I just want to make a good guilty Simpson record but you also know that like you don't want to like break form you know what i mean like you don't want the record mm -hmm. to stand out and not be up to the standard that you've already set with other producers so that was a another reason why i think making the beats one by one and making sure that that you liked each one that we were doing and that it fit with your wheelhouse as we went was really important to making the record right 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 yeah absolutely you did that just right you know you built it you know what i mean you didn't just throw a glob of shit at the wall and just see what stuck and you actually took it through steps and progressed it you know what i mean so it was really really dope you know what i mean only thing that could have made it better is uh we was just in the lab together you yeah know what I'm absolutely you know yeah. what i'm saying so i think that's the only yeah. thing you know but um the way you did that made it the closest it could be yes. to being in the yeah. lab together you know what i'm saying yeah mm -hmm. definitely definitely could appreciate appreciated that a good way to work uh, for other people that feel uh, that that gap and that distance between a producer, uh, when you feel like you could be uh, working together, I think you should just like, you know, just like he did, you know, build it, you know what I mean? One by one, stack them and, you know, just go ahead and build it and make it sound uh, complete, you know what I'm saying? And uh, I think um, maybe we can make a difference in some of these sounds, you know what I'm saying? It's, uh coming out of here because some of it that sounds uh disassociated everything is just everywhere and uh it just seems like some of these artists are just pulling songs from 
just everywhere and just saying, oh, this is dope, this is dope, this is dope. You know what I'm saying? I want to, it just seems like um, when you just patch things together like that, is you you make like kind of like playlist albums where people uh, yeah. I took three, seven, and nine off the album and <laughs> took it and added it to the other playlist. You know, I wanted it to be a listening experience, you know, from beginning to end, like we used to. Uh, yeah. Back in the day, we used to listen to every record, like even songs that I that weren't my favorites on albums back in the day. I listened to them, like you know, I didn't. Uh, Back in the tape day era, you know what I mean? You had, to, you had to do a lot to get to a next song. So I tended to listen to everything, you know what I'm saying? And a lot of my CD era, my early, early CD era and things like that, I would always listen to every song on a record. But now we're like in this playlist era where if you don't make the most of your opportunity to make these songs, they will take two songs from your album and never listen to the other 10 ever mm. again. You know what I mean? And it just <laughs> takes the value away. You know, some songs yeah. you won't get, some songs you won't get until the 50th time you hear it. hundred percent. Appreciate it. Uh, a lot more than you did, you know, uh, earlier in your listening experience. And I've experienced that throughout my life. And, uh, you know, I feel like uh, fans should be patient with some of these songs and some of these projects and allow them to technically grow on you like like I did, you know what I'm saying? And you know, um that's a, that's an element of listening that I think is you know kind of lost in the sauce. Yeah, days. I always preach patience because like I always say that my three of my favorite artists, like D'Angelo, I heard I'm obviously younger, so like I didn't hear him in ninety-five or two thousand, but like mm-hmm. I think I maybe got first time listened to him maybe was like late high school so it's like mm-hmm. 2012 and i remember i'm like yeah i don't understand why people love this album like i just boy, how, what kind of singing is this this is right weird. right right two years later i think it hit maybe like 2014 2015 and now it's that's potentially my favorite album ever same with erica badu Jeez. Same right. kind of feeling. Right. I, I kind of played them at the same time and I was like, I don't get the hype at all. Sometimes MF it's Doom, not the music. MF Doom, right. I was right. like, right. this is I definitely thought he was good, but I was like, he's just like another MC or and I don't get what why he's such a legend. And then that changed as well. And it's it's just all yeah. about patience. Good, yeah, good, yeah. distinct, unique shit sometimes um, takes a takes a while. Yeah. 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 Sometimes you got to let your ear mature a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You're not ready to hear. You know what I mean? So, um, and, um, something I, I used to almost sound like an urban legend when people would say stuff like that to me. But as the years have progressed, I definitely, uh, have fell victim to that. You know, even when I was like really, really young, um, uh, my cousin, which was older than me, RIP to my cousin, Shia Simpson, but, um, he, was a big Rock M fan, but Rock M at the time was rapping knowledge itself. You know, I ain't no joke. And so I check out my melody and some of the things he was saying, and I'm letting knowledge be born. And I, I didn't understand that. I was a kid. You know what I mean? I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. It was too heavy for me. You know what I mean? So I, I thought he sounded like the coolest rapper in the world, but I used to get frustrated because I couldn't understand mm-hmm. the fact that he was rapping in mathematics. But as I got older, you know what I'm saying, I, you know, a few years passed and then it hit and he was like my favorite MC in the whole world. You know what I'm saying? And I was listening to the exact same songs 
that I didn't understand. You know what I'm saying? I just wasn't ready to hear it. You know what I mean? So, you know, some of these people, their uh, attention span has grown so short these days with the internet and uh, all of this music, you know, uh, artists will drop a record and they'll listen to it for a week and ask you when the next one is. When's the next one? They don't take their time <laughs> to really, you know, let these records grow and mature and not even the record mature. Your listener, your listening palette mature to be able to enjoy the record and learn the cadences and the nuances of these records to really be able to appreciate, you know, the time that these people put in to build these records, you know what I mean? So, you know, it's, um, uh, it's just something that, you know, I, I would hope that people that are joining hip hop and listening to hip hop as the years progress. And hopefully, uh, that's something that they'll do. I challenge them to kind of revisit, uh, some of these records that they might not have, uh, liked a couple of years ago, just give it a spin again. And you know what I'm saying? It's just, give some of this stuff a chance, you know, maybe, maybe it wasn't the artist, maybe it was them, maybe it wasn't uh, their time to hear it. Yeah, like, I, I'm very diligent with my listening, especially with the podcast now, some stuff I know I need to, like, listen to in particular, prepare for, like, an interview or something like that, but I have, I've been doing this for, like, five years now, where I just have a running note of just, like, I just write down albums I feel like I should listen to, it can be new, it could be something I heard 10 years ago, just so I can keep track with like, I remember I get that urge. Like you mentioned Rock Kim right now. If I was not doing an interview right now, I would have put uh paid in full on that list. Cause I'm like, I haven't listened to that in a good amount of time. Let me re-listen mm-hmm. to that. Like, it's just like, I'm just tracking just for my own sake. Cause there's so much music now. You kind of have to like manage it. Cause it can get overwhelming. And I, I do, I do find it was a beautiful time. Cause even I can relate to it. Not with like, I bought some CDs back in the day, but even just not having access to all like streaming and stuff. It's kind of a beautiful thing to know all the words to a song. Like you don't even really like <laughs> it's like, just because I had it, I didn't have many choices. I was listening to the album. Like I know every word to this song that I don't even really like. It's just funny. Right. It's funny, right. but you know, yeah. like going back to what we were saying before, I think you guys really put together a record that was really cohesive. And I I'm reminded of a conversation that I had with Blockhead recently when he was on the show where he was saying like his beats tend to be very busy and have a lot going on, going on in them similar in the, in that kind of dynamic with you, NASA, and that he feels like he needs to collaborate with a rapper who is sure of himself in his voice. And I was like, damn, that dynamic when I listen to this record is completely accurate because these beats are not like what you were saying, NASA, where like, it's just, Oh, it's trying to be minimal and it's trying not to take away the attention. You're still giving space to to guilty, mm-hmm. but these are making an impression just off the instrumental. And I think that balance was was really good. Maybe it's the engineering side of you too, to where like it didn't I didn't feel like it was ob- obstructing my ability to like understand what is being said lyrically. And yeah, I just I think it was was really good. And guilty, you were mentioning earlier about how like you're trying different cadences and flows on this, on this record. So like, how did rapping over this particular kind of production from NASA, like push you to try new things and uh, challenge you as an MC? Um, well, you know, just, uh, just the vibe and, you know, the, the drums, you know what I mean? The, um, 
the way the way the beats progressed, you know, just like you said, the busyness of it. Um, I loved it. You know what I'm saying? I love to hear sound. I love to hear. Uh, I love to hear sound even when the verse is supposed to be going where I'm supposed to be rapping. I like to hear stuff because I write detail like that. You know, I might I might write a rap and in my cadence, I might leave a space right where one of those noises is happening in the beat and, you know, kind of use that to manipulate my flow because in my opinion as an MC, you know, I always feel like I'm a part of the beat. I'm just the last instrument. You know what I mean? I'm the last thing, the last layer of the beat. You know, some people want to rip and destroy the beat. You know, I I, I want to coast on the beat. I want to ride surf almost. You know what I mean? I want to be that last instrument on it. You know what I mean? So when I was able to hear, you know, all the different sounds and uh, uh, the busyness to it, you know, it was able to take me visually to where I needed to be. You know what I mean? It just really it almost helped me write. You know what I'm saying? So um, I'm, I'm really good with sound as well anyway, you know, because a lot of times I might, uh, I need, I need sound to write. Like even like if right now, if I was writing or something, if I was writing, just writing my ideas that I would need the TV going, I would need something going. I just can't focus in complete silence. You know, I need that. You know what I'm saying? So I think when he was able to give me that, uh, the busyness of almost like a city sound, you know, the, the busyness that gave me a creative, um, a creative space where I was able to write. So I was really appreciative of that. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, I just liked the way he layered everything. It was, you know, like a, you know, like a technician. And like I said, I always go back to, like I said, the techno sound because, you know, it was just, everything was so busy and it was just active and every piece had its own purpose. You know what I'm saying? To help help the music fit, you know what I mean? So it was just an easy marriage with me and my lyrics and it made me change my cadences, you know, to be that last instrument on there because the way the beats was banging, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, just that sound, you know, that that, 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 that spaced out, uh, zoned out sound or whatever, you know what I'm saying? It just made me you know, just want to zone out as well with the track. So, you know, I think uh, NASA has a real, real intention and a real, real purpose with his uh, production. And almost like um, Escalation could have been an instrumental album and people would have been fine with it. He wouldn't mm-hmm. have had to do much more to it as far as like, add any more layers to it. It was already cinematic without vocals, you know what I'm saying? So it was just very easy for me to you know, add my art to it last, you know what I'm saying, for sure. Yeah, I mean, thank you for saying that. And and I, I'm I'm thing I was gonna say is like you know that's the intention when I make beats you know because I do rap so like I have that you know like when I'm making a beat like I can I mean the first thing I try to do or that I naturally do I should say is like I hear myself on it and maybe I don't hear myself on the particular beat I'm making that night you know or maybe I make a beat distinctly for somebody like during this project I was trying to make beats and I thought guilty would work on but of course during the course of making this record there were beats where i was like damn this is good but this isn't for this record and i would put it to the side and put it someplace else and not send it so like hearing the way that you approach the beats is like i'm gonna write to the beat and i think that's part of like you know of course all of us that that write rhymes and rap like you don't write every single thing all the time to the beat but i write personally 
I write 95% of the shit that you've heard me kick, I wrote to the beat that I'm kicking it to, you know, like that's, and so that's how I make beats for people, you know, and like sometimes I'll work with MCs, you know, I get the impression that you do that most of the time too, guilty in terms of just like writing to the beat, but you know, I'm sure you know people like this and I know people like this that like, they don't write to the beat, you know, they'll have their shit written already, Mm -hmm. maybe to a different beat or maybe to nothing. And then they try to make it work on the beat. And for a producer like me, that's hard. <laughs> like I could, Im- I could only imagine how difficult it would be to take something written to a different beat in a different tempo and try to put it over one of my beats. Like that's, right. it, it can work, but it's not always guaranteed. I always tell, well, I hope that people like always write to my shit because that's a much better way of doing it. Just because that's the way that I'm wired. It's not because it's better or worse. It's just the way that I'm, I'm built like that's how I write. So that's how I make a beat for somebody to write the way I write, you know, in terms of like, oh, well, he, he's going to hear this and, you know, find a cadence. And 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 in my head, when I'm sending you those beats, I'm thinking, oh, yeah, I can hear him on this. You know what I mean? Like I can hear it. I can hear it kind of like I can get I got an idea like what cadence you might drop or or whatever. And then, you know, I would get that back and it would sound dope. And then it would be, you know, these really intentional which I really love about this record as it evolved is like these really intentional, like deep topics, you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. not like, you know, like where I was like, you know, songs like the devil or like rumble Mm -hmm. or rats. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can go on and on about almost all of them. They all have like a real intent that was like, Oh wow. This isn't just like a rap album. This is like an album that, you know, is really core to who guilty is. And that made me extremely happy with it, man. Absolutely. No doubt. Likewise, my bro. Likewise. Yeah, yeah. I loved the I loved the fact that where you kind of push guilty came from when I, when it comes to the lyrics and the raps because like I think of a track like the devil that's probably my favorite song on the whole thing. The beat is in, is is incredible, but it has a rhythm that I've made you guilty like rap in a way that I don't feel like I've heard you rap before. It's particularly with the cadence, but just also like you mm-hmm. know subject matter was very specific mm-hmm. and topical and and you know on that like what were some of like the main themes or kind of like lyrical ideas you were playing around with mainly on uh and wanted to explore on this album um well really uh i just kind of use records to just kind of mark where i am mentally at that time you know what i'm saying like i don't try to just a lot of shit been going on. a lot of shit's been going on you know what i'm saying just you know just just a whole bunch of confusion and bad information and just um i just thought it was a good time to um express myself and address a lot of things at the same time in the music the business of the music allowed me to go there. So it was like with devil and, you know, when you hear the drums and the, it sounds like the cymbals clashing and mm-hmm. it was like, you know, it sounded Sounds chaotic. Yeah. yeah, right. It sounded chaotic and sinister. It sounded, you know, but it was so raw, you know what I mean? That uh, it had a beauty element to it as well. You know what I'm saying? So like I said, his beats, um, when I hear a beat, I listen to it. I just, you know, before I say a rap, I might spin a beat two or three times just to get an idea of what mood it puts me in. You know what I mean? And, you know, 
once I started spinning the beats, you know, like you said, he was only sending like two at a time. So it was like I was building and stacking songs as we went. You know what I mean? So it was like, you know, um, and it was crazy. I think Devil might have been the first one I did. Devil and, and Rumble were the first two. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, you know, and that was a while ago. So, you know, I know. So, yeah, <laughs> right, right, right. But the fact that um he sent those two and listening to those two was a huge contrast in those beats, but both lethal, you know what I mean? You know, uh 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 Rumble has a beauty beautiful element and kind of like a triumphant element to it. That's why I wanted to do Rumble, because it sounded like uh it sounded like at the end of the movie, you know what I mean? Mm. When you, you know, you, you you fucked everybody up and, you know, you, you walk off with the girl in the sunset, you know what I mean? That was rumble to me, you know what I'm saying? And Devil was more like the confusion. Like I said, um, his range is what made me, and by you knowing that those were the first two beats that he sent me should make you understand why I chose to do this record because I loved both of the beats, but they were totally different you know what i mean so that made me trust the range of what you know bro was gonna send me because i understood like damn he said two cold ass beats i wanted i got two songs that i want to do off of them already and they don't sound anything alike you know what i'm saying so um and both don't sound anything like any songs i've recorded before you know what i'm Mm -hmm. saying so you know um it was it was just really really uh, easy transition because once beats inspire you like that and um, uh, are that creative, uh, it makes me want to be creative as well. As far as cadences, uh, sometimes if it's not the subject matter that's going to be so profound, and I want to make sure that my cadence is different. So at least if I'm telling you the standard, I'm the greatest rapper in the world. Shit is going to sound dope because of the way. I chose to rap over the beat or, you know, whatever. So, you know, me as an MC, I have different uh, uh, elements that I choose to add or tap into when I know where I'm going with the song. If I have a seriousness to it, I kind of lean away from the cadence part because I have a real message that I'm trying to get uh, get by and, you know, trying to get out there. But, you know, um, uh, I credit production as the, that, that, that's, that's what untaps my, uh, uh, creativity and it gives me the freedom to do what I want to do over a beat. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, it was, you know, so I always salute to the producers and, you know, um, you know, just thankful that, you know, without NASA, the project wouldn't have been possible because it was his vision and I, I trusted his vision and I trusted what he was able to do. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, he, 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 he came through in the clutch, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, made it, made it work and, uh, made it, made it very easy to write to the tracks because, you know, the way that they sounded, man, for sure. You know what I'm saying? I really love uh, the sound of it, you know, and it sounds like something that has very, very good replay value. And mm-hmm. uh, for the people that it might not be their cup of tea, I want you to go back to earlier in this interview <laughs> and have the patient ear, the patient ears, the ear, that that's what everybody should dedicate themselves to whether it's my project or any other MC or yeah. whoever you know what I'm saying these people are really out here doing this music putting their heart and soul being vulnerable and giving a contribution to the people I just would hope that these fans are being very patient 
with these artists. I'm not saying listen to something that's whack and just keep listening to it, thinking you're going to make some breakthrough. But I'm just saying some of the stuff that you might be borderline on, and ah, it's okay. You need to maybe revisit some of these projects, whether it's us or whoever it is, and, you know, just uh, uh, give it an honest listen and um, uh, over time, you know what I'm saying? And don't give up on these records so fast, you know what I mean? It's uh, a lot, a lot of great music out here, I'm sure, that a lot of people are overlooking um, being impatient because we're in the microwave era with the Internet and, you know, different things like that. Attention spans are very, very short. So you know, I just hope they'll let escalation escalate. Mm-hmm. Well said, well said. Mm-hmm. You know, so looking now past escalation and just in the future, not trying to ask you when's your next record out as you just said (laughs) but you know just upcoming potentially music if you want to shout out but also just you know tour dates or merch anything that you want to call out that you want uh fans to be on the lookout for well me uh i'm just staying creative man you know what i'm saying i'm uh i'm working on a couple of things i'm just really just uh listening to beats and and writing some beats now i have a uh my good friend, uh, Five Fingers of Death, uh, and, and my guy, M. Slago, I'm working on a project with them right now. I'm about to finish that up, a little EP, and uh, just a couple of more things in the works. I don't really want to speak on as far as uh, what I'm doing, so, some big stuff that I'm hoping to do uh, in the near future and working with uh, uh, some great people and uh, putting a group together with a couple of people. And uh, I'm just doing a lot, doing a whole lot of stuff and a tour dates coming up, but you know, anything you want to reach me on is a guilty Simpson on a, well, it's not Twitter, it's X now, right? So X is it's guilty still Twitter. Simpson. I just call it Twitter. <laughs> it's Twitter, okay. Yeah. Uh, Instagram, guilty Simpson, or whatever. You know, you can holler at me about shows, features, dates, upcoming projects, sports, anything. You know, just say what up. Just tap in with me like that. But um, I got a lot of things in the works, though. Be on the lookout for me in 24. I'm definitely staying creative. Dope. What about you, Nasa? Yeah. Yeah, I'm um I'm about halfway through. We just finished recording the last two tracks, but I produced a full record for this MC out of Boston named Past Tense. And oh, sick. um yeah, so uh Guilty's actually on that record as well. Mm-hmm. And um you Ooh. know, that's uh twelve tracks. Yep. And uh that's uh, now I'm in mix mode, you know, like I have everything collected. I built it the same way, I just went beat by beat and uh and now I got everything recorded. I just have to start mixing and doing the producing, producing part, you know, doing the drops and the arrangement and all that kind of shit. So, so that record will be out hopefully in the early part of 2024. 2024 is the 20th anniversary of Uncommon Records. Nice. So, nice. you know, it's oh, oh, oh. uh, a big milestone there. So, you know, I got a lot of other releases planned for the label. Shortfuse has a couple of things coming coming through that uh that i didn't produce but that i'll be putting out i'm working on a solo record and you know i'm producing a few other things for some other folks that that i'll leave until those get more further along but uh always busy man just always people tell me like you know when i feel like i'm not doing enough like i'm already doing like a million things at one time so i mean that's a the best compliment I could get. So I, uh, I, I'll, I'll say that, you know, <laughs> I feel like I'm slowing down, but I'm probably not, I'm probably speeding up. So I got a lot right, of things right, going right. on for next year. 
That's dope, and, man. And also check out, um, you know, UncommonNASA.com. That's where you can find stuff about Uncommon Records and my own music um, and any other things I'm getting into. Um, and I'm on Instagram at UncommonNASA and uh, the label is at Uncommon Records NYC uh, on Instagram. And also uh, check out our YouTube, which is at Uncommon Records NYC on YouTube. Yeah, yeah, man. There's a, yeah, there's a lot of good stuff. I'm really excited to hear what these these records that group record from you guilty and man i've been looking for a solo since uh only child because that one was Word. thank you really fucking dope um yeah i just think it's real honor to having you know two absolute vets people who've done so much in the game to to come on the show like yourselves it's just you know very honored and uh appreciate you being open about your process and how you created escalation which i think is definitely one of my favorite albums of the year and yeah, just think it's it's really dope that you came on. Thanks so much. No doubt. Appreciate you, family. Uh, yeah, no talk problem. soon, man. Look out for us, man. Got yeah. more coming. Yeah, good Hell luck yeah. on the, the Lions, too. Hopefully they get the dub. <laughs> Lions, baby. Michigan beat Alabama. Michigan beat <laughs> Alabama. All right, man. Y'all be cool, man. Peace. Peace. Have a good day. Peace. The formula was perfected in a matter of seconds. When I might check it, you're considered connected. Set us to slang, tempers your pain. Born in a crippling rain with no extras. These line rappers lack struggle. Too proud to tell the people that they had troubles. Too pussy like a cat couple. I'm not just due. The balance, the challenge, whiskey flavored palate. Never was the hangout type. If the love ain't outright, cause my type, you just can't out. My will to live is much stronger than yours. So there we have it. Another episode of the Rap Music Plug podcast presented by QLC TV. I hope this episode gave you some new perspectives and insights into what the greatest art form known to man in hip-hop music has to offer. If you want to support the show in the most meaningful way possible, it would be my absolute honor to have you as a patron in the new Rap Music Plug podcast Patreon. Through this Patreon, you will be getting exclusive content such as bonus episodes, exclusive album recommendations, exclusive playlists, early access to episodes, and more. And above all though, you will be able to support the show directly in a way that will not only justify the crazy amount of time I spend on this show already, but allow me to cover some of the expenses related to supporting all of these great artists that we cover on the show through the website and will allow us to sustain and build on this amazing growth that the RMPP has experienced recently. So if you have any questions about any of the Patreon stuff or just want to keep tabs on the show, interact with me on rap music and all the great stuff that we can talk about, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at rapmusicplugpod or shoot me an email at qlctv.podcast at gmail.com. You can also rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts and subscribe on YouTube and Spotify as well. But that's enough self-promotion for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Peace. Peace.